Well, we have been in the series called Guardrails over the past uh, few weeks, and um, I know sometimes people think, ah, oh, the pastor, you know, he works on this all week, and he's just thinking, how does this impact me, right? The reality is, there's so many times where I start thinking that way, and then I get into the midst of what we're doing, I'm like, oh, this actually isn't for any of you, this is all for me. And so I actually get a lot out of these series that we do, and, and the Guardrail series is one of those series that has done just that. Over the past few weeks, we have talked about relationships, uh, we have talked about finances, we talked about politics last week, like I said, we keep going downhill, um, but we're going to hopefully reverse that and go uphill th- this week, and I'll get to that in just a second. But, but this series is all about putting in, in, in safety measures, if you will, guardrails to protect us from the danger zones. Because if you think of our roads, we have guardrails in place to keep us from the danger, Right? Now, we also have painted lines, and painted lines are a warning, like, hey, you can cross me if you like. There's probably some danger beyond me, but that's your decision. And in our lives, we have a lot of painted lines. And so this whole series is trying to get us away from the painted lines and and to structuring or or building these guardrails in place to keep us from those danger zones that we find in our lives. And again, we've looked at relationships and finances. We looked at politics. But this week, our, our topic... I think is probably the most powerful one we're going to talk about. If we could get this right, even if a few people could begin to get this right and begin to live this out, I truly believe this one has the power to impact so many aspects of our world. It can impact our poverty levels. It can impact the number of prisoners that we see in our prison system. It could impact our health care system. And maybe even more important than all of those is that every single night, Little boys and little girls would go to sleep being put to bed by their parents. The topic we're going to talk about today are sexual guardrails. What guardrails do you and I need to put in place in our lives for who we are sexually? Because here's the deal. What we find is so many people have just painted lines when it comes to our sexuality and who we are sexually. And so today we're going to focus on this topic And hopefully by the end of the day, you and I will begin to have those guardrails in place that we need to protect us from those danger zones in our lives. Because here's the deal with sexual guardrails. There are other areas of life we can mess up, but we can recover from, right? In fact, if you you go into bankruptcy, it's not fun, it's terrible, it's tough. But over time, you can get out of bankruptcy. You, You can get to a healthier place. Or you lose your job or you get fired. Guess what? You can change that. It's not very fun, not much fun as it's happening, but over time you get to a better place. Or even educationally. Let's say you don't do very well in college and you're struggling. But here's the deal. You can go to summer school. You can get a tutor. You can work hard. But here's what's so interesting about these other areas of life. Those things can happen, right? And as we look back at them over time, what we find is that we can kind of chuckle about it. <laughs> can, can you believe we made those decisions, got ourselves in that place? I mean, that was terrible, but man, we're in such a better place now. And we kind of laugh about it. We can have some fun with it in some instances. But when it comes to our sexual decisions, it's not the same, is it? It's a totally, totally different ballgame at that point. Because those are things that we carry with us. 
those are burdens that we carry and baggage that we carry and a past that we carry. And it's, it's almost like this ghost that follows us everywhere we go. And so we struggle when it comes to who we are and the decisions that we make when it comes to our, who we are sexually. Because we don't look back and laugh at that, do we? We don't look back and laugh and think, huh, look what we did. But here's the deal. And I think this is one of the reasons that we have so many painted lines with ourselves sexually is, is because we're pretty complacent. We're pretty complacent in this particular area. When's the last time you watched a movie and there was a love scene between a married couple, right? Because you're like, oh, that's gross. That's like my parents. I mean, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to watch that. But we watch movies, and what do we see? We usually see two unmarried people that are together, and, and this whole story is about them connecting with each other. And, and in fact, sometimes one of them is married, or both of them are married. And what do we do at the end? We're celebrating them. We're excited about what they're doing in this relationship that's being built. And at the end, we're like, way to go. This is great. What we're doing in those moments is we're being complacent to this particular issue. We're allowing the entertainment to take us to another place. And so when a family member or a friend has an affair, we don't look at them and we're like, man, this is great, high five, glad you got to that. You should have done this a long time ago. No, we look at them and we're like, how could you do this? Why would you do this? And the reality is we become complacent to this particular area of, of life. And we watch movies and we watch TV and we read books, and we listen to music, and I'm starting to sound like my parents right now as I talk through this stuff, but I got two teenage girls and a son that's preteen. I'm thinking, yeah, this stuff is really important. But we look at that stuff, and we're like, hey, this is great. This is wonderful. And yet when it happens in real life, we're like, oh, what would get someone to this place to make this decision in their life? Well, again, the reality is they're just crossing painted lines. And so we've got to have those titanium-grade guardrails in place in this particular area in our life. I want to talk about that this morning, but there's a starting point here. And, uh, and it begins, I think, in 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is where we're going to spend our, our time today. If you don't have Bibles, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. Make sure you grab one of those. Um, you can follow along on our screens. You can follow along in the Journey Church app and take notes. Or you can also take notes today on your program. But here's, here's what Paul writes. Paul is writing this letter. Now, Paul is um, he's a pastor. Uh, he's a church planter. And so he would go throughout the Middle East and Asia Minor, and he would go plant these churches. And so he'd go to these cities, he'd go to these villages, he'd go to these towns, and he'd start to build these friendships. And he'd start to talk to these individuals, and he'd tell them about Jesus and the power of Jesus in his life. And they would become followers of Christ. And then he'd begin these little churches within these homes. So he had these home churches that were happening all over the place. And he would stay there for a couple of years. He would train and coach the leaders inside that church. And then he would leave. But he would also keep up with them. So he'd hear the stories about what was happening there and the things they were struggling with. And, and so he'd write letters back to them like, hey, I heard this is happening. Let me, let me tell you what you should do in this instance. Hey, let me encourage you in this tough time. And so there's this communication that's happening. Now, this particular church in Corinth is jacked, right? They, they are messy. And if you don't believe me, read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And there's probably another letter out there to them that was so terrible, we don't even know what happened to it. Um, but this is what Paul does. This is sort of the, the person that he is and communicating with these particular churches, and specifically this one in Corinth. And here's what he writes to them, starting in verse 12. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, 
but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Paul's left this place. He's been gone for a time, and so he hears that this is what's happening. They're, they're using this phrase over and over again, I have the right to do anything. Paul taught them, through Christ, you're free, which means when you're free as a follower of Christ, you're free from legalism. You're free from religiosity. You're free from these things. They were taking that to mean, like, literally, we're free to do whatever we want. I mean, we can, we can make any decision we want. And the cool thing is, we're free to do it. Because that's who we are as followers of Christ. We're free to make these decisions. Paul's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up a second. Hold up a second. No, you're free in Christ, but that means you actually make better decisions than you normally would. That means you're smarter than, than, than other people may be in these moments because of your connection to Jesus. He's like, you're free, but not in the way that you think. And so again, this was causing issues within that church setting. Verse 13, Paul writes, You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Um, so the stomach for food and food for stomach is actually a euphemism that they would use back in the day. If you need me to explain it, we can talk about it after our time together today. Uh, but it was based on sexual actions. All right. And so basically they're equating bodily functions with the whole body. Like, hey, God's going to got this. God's going to take care of this. This is just a part of who we are. And Paul's like, it's not quite that way. He's like, it's not just about your stomach. He's like, God didn't come just to save your stomach, right? Like, I'm sending my son to this earth to save the stomach or to save the liver, to save the, the, the finger. That's not what the deal is. He's saying the whole body is God's, the whole thing. And that's what's important to God. And so you can't just kind of pick and choose the things that you think are important, the things that you want to do. He's like, your whole body belongs to God. In Christ, Jesus is your connection to God, which means it's not to be given away. And here's what he says in verse 14. He says, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. From what we can uh, gather, basically these Christians were going and visiting temple prostitutes. And maybe to the point of, hey, you're a follower of Christ now, you're free to do anything, we're going to take you, and this is a part of sort of your initiation, which is really, really weird, right? I mean, they, they're all over the place when it comes to this particular church. But Paul's like, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you thinking? Where are you getting these ideas from? He's like, this isn't the way that, that you were created. This is not how God created you and what God intends for you. And this doesn't mean that when you're free from, free from, from everything else, when you're set free when, in Christ, that you can make any decision that you want. He's like, no, you're a follower of Jesus. And again, your body is God's. And then he says this in verse 18. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Paul says, flee. Maybe even a better way to put this is make it a habit 
to flee. Make it a habit to run. He doesn't say, hey, turn towards that temptation and give into it or, or kind of get close to it or look over the edge and see what's lying there. He doesn't say that. He says, no. He says flee, which means turn your back and run away as fast as you can. And every single time that happens, make it a habit to run and to flee. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're married, wives, isn't this what you expect your husband to do? And husbands, don't you expect this of your wives? And kids, don't we expect this of our parents? And parents, don't we expect this of our, our kids? I mean, we expect this of our, our fiancé and our girlfriend and our boyfriend. And we expect this of our grandparents. I mean, we expect when these moments happen that the person that is getting ready to cross that painted line has a guardrail set in place to flee. Here's what we do, though. We don't flee many times we flirt right and we think if we flirt we're going to be okay like there's sort of this line there but flirting is just a painted line and when it's a painted line it's so easy to cross but we flirt and over time if you flirt too much at some point in time you're going to give in it's just going to happen some of you in here maybe um, enjoy fishing right you love fishing you know so much about fishing and and so you you have this specific place that you like to go fishing and you know where, where the fish are. You have a pretty good idea. And you know the kind of bait that you need when you go fishing in that particular place. And so you'll get up early and you'll go there before the sun comes up. You'll be there before dawn. And you'll get there and you'll be on your boat and you'll be ready to go. You'll put your bait on. You'll just start throwing that line out. Now, when you're fishing and you know all that information, you don't just throw your line out one time to that one spot. And like, oh, no fish got it, so I'm going to go somewhere else. That's not how we do it, is it? No, you, you keep throwing that line in the same spot over and over and over again that same bait because you know that's the kind of bait the fish likes and the fish is underneath the water and the fish is like wow that looks pretty pretty scrumptious maybe but you know what I, I think I'm good I'm just gonna lay here beside the stump underneath the water I don't want to really move right now it's kind of chilly and, and then you keep throwing that bait there and the fish is like oh you know what I didn't really eat breakfast this morning so maybe you know it's, it's starting to look a little bit better and then you keep throwing it there. It's like, you know, I haven't had a snack yet. Mom would let me have a snack. You know, I'm kind of hungry right now. I think I'm going to eat. And so the fish grabs that bait, and then it's hooked. And then it becomes maybe food for you. We need to think about, I think, our sexual decisions in, in that same way. That we know the things that kind of get us over that line, don't we? We know. Let's just be honest. We know. We kind of know the things that we need to stay away from. But here's what we do. We flirt with it. And that bait keeps getting thrown out in front of us because we allow it to do. We don't swim away. We don't get away as fast. We don't flee. And that bait is there over and over and over again. And maybe at the beginning, we're like, hey, I'm good. I can control this. I, I can deal with this. I'm not going to step over this line. But the longer that bait keeps getting thrown in front of us, finally we're going to say, you know what? I'm hungry. I need to eat. You're going to take a bite. You're going to be hooked. And then that's the moment. That's the moment when everything changes. And the reason is, as Paul talks about, we don't flee. We flirt. And Paul's like, no, you have to flee. You have to run. You've got to get away. Because when we don't do that and we're stuck there, then everybody in culture begins to look at us like, I can't believe you did that. Why did you do that? How did you get to that place? It's because we have painted lines in place. A couple of examples here. Think about teen pregnancy. Teen pregnancy, I think we would all agree, is, 
is an issue. It's not something that we would want to happen. And, and I'm sure in our church, uh, some of, of you have been in that place and you've experienced that. And, and you could tell stories and, and the pain and tough, tough, tough love and the experiences you had and what happened to get there. But, but let's think about that for a moment because I think what we do is we glamorize sex in our culture. You go to the mall and um, what, what do you see all around? It's all about sex, isn't it? I mean, everything in there is sex. And so here's a young lady and a young guy, and they're walking around, they're seeing this stuff, and things happen when you're a young age, and you have these feelings, and then you watch a movie, and then you read books, and you have music, and all this together. And again, this is one of those messages where I'm sounding like my parents, but I'm doing that only because I have a couple of teenage girls, which scares me to death. But as I think about them, and I think about what they see, I'm like, we're just kind of glamorizing this, aren't we? But here's the crazy part. A young lady, a young man will give in to their desires. And then what do we do in that moment? Does society come around like, oh, man, we are here for you. We're going to take care of you. We're sorry this happened. We're going we're to pull back some of the stuff that glamorizes sex. No, at that moment, culture is like, hey, man, you messed up. Shame on you. In fact, you must come from a terrible family. But that's what we've done. We've we set that bait out over and over and over again. At some point, you bite, you get hooked. We make decisions that we pay for. Or guys, mostly guys, although we're seeing this more in women today too, and pornography. Like guys, we're smart for the most part. Somewhere in there, there's some smart stuff, right? It's, it's not all about sex for the most part, but, um, but guys, we know where stuff is, right? I mean, we, we go to the mall and we watch movies and TV shows and we look at magazines and we think to ourselves, I can control this, I'm gonna be good. And yet it's just that bait. It keeps getting thrown out in front of us. And we allow ourselves to kind of flirt with it over and over and over again because we really don't want to be different than anybody else. And what happens? We give into it. We take the bait. We bite. We're hooked. And what does culture say? Culture's like, oh, man, we're so sorry. We need to to help you. No, culture says, oh, man, that's so nasty and gross. I can't believe you'd watch that. What kind of man are you? Stay away from me. The deal is, that we've been baited into that moment. And really, the, the bigger thing is that we've allowed ourselves to get to that place because we haven't had guardrails in, in place. We, we've only had those painted lines. And Paul's like, when those moments come, have those guardrails and flee. Don't flirt, but flee. Now, this morning, I want to share with you three guardrails Before I get there, let me just say this. When it comes to putting sexual guardrails in place, there's so many things that we could talk about today. So many things. But here's the deal, especially with a topic like this, you know you, right? Like I I know me. I know the things that can protect me when it comes to something like this. You know what that is for you. And in a topic like this, it may be very different for each person. But I, I kind of want to go to a starting point here when it comes to sexual guardrails. Because here's what we know. Sex is not just physical, is it? I mean, sex is, is something so much deeper. It goes so much deeper than just this physical act. But yet we know if we fail here, these are things that we carry with us for the rest of our lives. Here's, here's the deal with our sexual actions. When we take those steps, when we give in, because we flirted for so long, what we really understand is that we're looking for intimacy. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for intimacy. 
And so intimacy begins with an emotional connection, a feeling that takes place. And so when that begins to build over time, we finally get to this place where we give in to that action and that physical act takes place. But it all goes back to intimacy. We're looking for intimacy. We're looking for this relationship with this other person. And so we, we have this emotional connection that is really the starting place for what we experience in our lives. And so we've got to have, have guardrails in place to make sure that our intimacy is worth sure emotional connection and feelings are with the people they're supposed to be with. And so we don't find ourselves given into the, into the physical act. And so that's why I want to share with you these three particular guardrails when it comes to who we are sexually th this morning. And uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're going to hear me say these three, and you're like, dude, that's from like 1952, Okay. 1952 was probably a good year. I don't know. But um, they're probably a little old school in some ways. But I can promise you, if we can begin to do something like this, it can protect us. And here's why I want to give you these three this morning. Uh, here in this particular community we all live in, in the D.C. metro area, um, it's expensive, right? And for the most part, for most people I know, it seems like, especially if you're married, both spouses are working and it's not so you you know you can have millions of dollars in the bank it's just so you can actually live here and buy food each week and so uh, it's expensive so both usually work and, which means that both are probably in the business world in, in some way shape or form and so what we're going to talk about this morning is connected directly to that okay now maybe you're here this morning and you've got a fiance hey this is perfect for you and maybe you've got a girlfriend or boyfriend hey this is perfect for you maybe you're here and you're single you're like well what about me this is perfect for you too okay but I think there are these three guardrails we can put in place to protect us emotionally from that intimacy that we can find many times within the business world. Because what's the deal? There's a lot of relationships outside of our homes because of the work we do. And in fact, uh, the very uh, first series we did this fall, we talked about work and we said that 60% of our time, waking hours is spent at work, which means there are opportunities there with other relationships that we've got to protect ourselves from. And so here are the three guardrails I'm going to throw out to you this morning. Here's the first one. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. Um, again, if you're married or a fiancé or a significant other, do you have expectations or what's appropriate for that other person in their work world? Now, again, you're like, dude, that is old school. It's a healthy place to begin. And here's what I mean. Have you ever sat down with your spouse or your fiance and said, hey, um, when I'm at work, because I'm around these individuals all the time, what are your expectations of me? What, what do you feel like is appropriate connection with people that I work with? And I can tell you, that's going to go a long way within that relationship. Just to take the time to sit and talk through that. What? Well, you know, well, here's some things that I would hope you would do, and maybe here's some guardrails that I think would be healthy. And then you're, it's your turn to say, well, and, and for you, here, here's exactly what I would say about that. See, sometimes we, we don't plan ahead. We, we allow those painted lines to be there. We just keep letting that line, that bait, keep getting thrown in front of us instead of saying, hey, let, let's kind of work on this together. One of the best things that we can do to protect our marriages, to protect our relationships, to protect our families it's to start by putting this guardrail in place and by planning ahead. Because we know that the work environment 
creates intimacy, doesn't it? Especially if you're going on business trips and you've got lunches and you've got dinners and there's after work events that are happening to, to celebrate with, with clients. And we began to put these things together. Those, those open up doors to intimacy. Have we planned ahead with the person that we are married to, our fiance or that girlfriend or boyfriend and said, hey, why don't we put some guardrails in place together? The first thing I would say to protect us, to keep us out of the danger zones, or to plan ahead. The second guardrail I put into place is to review the day. Review the day. Um, again, uh, when you go on business trips or you go to meetings um, or you do after-hour events with, with people w- within your work world or, or clients that you work with, uh, do you ever just kind of go back at the end of the day like, hey, let me just tell you a little bit about what happened today or what happened tonight? Or are you hesitant to share that information with that person? So one of the things that you need to understand is that reviewing your day can help you put in those guardrails that are important. Now, my wife, Kara, and I do this. We work in the same office, so that helps out a whole lot there. But, uh, yeah, I've got like a built-in guardrail every day. And she does too, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Um, but, but one of the things we do, and this isn't something we plan. It just kind of happened. We just started asking each other. In fact, well, she started asking me first, like, hey, you know, what you got going on today? And I'm like, I'm going to write a little bit. I'm going to read. You know, I'm going to pray all day because that's what I do. I read scripture and pray all day. That's all. <laughs> it's the most boring life. Now, it's like, uh, no, it's not really what I do every day. But, um, but I'm going to be doing this. Oh, and by the way, I, you know, I meet with this guy and I meet with this lady. And, you know, here, here's kind of what we're, we're getting together for. And so she already knows at the beginning of the day what I'm going to be doing, right? She, she already knows what my day is like. And so... <laughs> If I'm in Kingstown at Panera and I'm sitting at the, the window there and I'm, I'm talking to a lady from church about some role here in, at the church and you walk by, you're not like, I think Chad's having an affair. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's there with a lady. It's not his wife. I'm not gonna go to Kingstown if I'm gonna have an affair, right? Because most of you live there. And most of you are probably following me anyway with all the secret <laughs> stuff you guys do, but... Uh, so I can't get away from it. But, um, but, uh, but I want my wife to know. I, I want her to know. This is who I met with. This is this conversation that we had. This is what we talked about. And some of you are like, oh, gosh, does that mean I can't share with you kind of where I'm at and I'm struggling? We don't go into those details of, of like, this is the place this person is. And let me tell you all the, all the details and the dirty stuff they just told me. That, that's not what we're talking about here. She knows where I am. In fact, people in the office know where I am. And so it's just a review. It's like, hey, here's where I'm going. This is what I'm going to be doing today. Here's the cool part. At the end of the day, we actually talk about that. It's like, hey, you know, Chad, you met with this person, this person. How'd that go? And then I'm like, hey, here's just kind of a recap of what took place and where it was and what happened. And so if somebody calls you and like, hey, we saw Chad here. You're like, hey, fine. I know exactly where it was. I know why I was there. And the same with her. Hey, hon, how did your day go? How did your meetings go? It's just a review of the day. One, it shows that you actually are interested in the person that you're married to, okay, which is important. But, but it's just an opportunity to have that guardrail in place and to say, we've planned ahead, we know what's appropriate, what's okay, and then in the end, here's the deal. You know exactly what I'm doing today. And I know for some of us here, that feels like a control thing. We're like, I'm not gonna do that because I'm in control of my day, I'm in control of what I do. Probably not. At that point is the moment that you need to stop and say, I gotta stop because I think I can control this. And the reality is we can't. That bait just kept getting thrown out in front of us. And at some point, we're going to bite. We're going to get hooked. 
And then that's when the really terrible stuff begins to happen. Plan ahead, review your day, and here's the third guardrail. Tell your secret. Tell your secret. Um, again, because of the work world and because of the relationship, sometimes that intimacy can, can be there. And sometimes it's a feeling that we have towards somebody else. So let me ask you this question. When you get to work in the morning, do you take the long way to your office or the right way? Do you take the long way or the right way? The right way is you walk in through the elevator, and you take a right, and there's your cubicle, there's your office. The long way is you go the way that you know where his office is. Or you go to the place that you know at 8.30 every single morning, she's in that same spot. And so do you take the long way to get to your office or do you take the right way? Because if you're taking the long way, maybe it's time to tell someone your secret. And do you get this flutter? Do you remember the flutter? Like when you were a teenager, you're like, oh, I get a flutter all the time. I'm around someone who I'm attracted to. And do you ever get that flutter anymore with someone else? You're like, oh, what's this feeling? I haven't felt this in a long time. Maybe it's time to tell someone your secret. Or Facebook is uh, one of those things that has a lot of good qualities and a lot of bad qualities. Um, it's interesting to me what I find as I kind of, uh, I'm a stalker on Facebook, so I kind of look at everything. I don't like to comment and put stuff up because I'm afraid and just, I'm like, hi, and then 14 people are like, why would you say hi today? It's terrible. I can't, this is political. And, <laughs> Just saying hi today. Hope you have a great day. Guess not. But, um, but here's what you find with, with Facebook that I find interesting. People that I know who are on Facebook are married, but then they get a divorce, and all of a sudden they're posting onto the social media there. And, uh, and what I see sometimes is like all of a sudden these people are starting to comment on which is it's fine. But, but, but when you see this happening, maybe this was an old flame of yours. You start to like their pictures, and you start to comment on their, their posts. And not only that, I mean, you start to kind of connect with this person again, and then you, you take it to, to Messenger, right? You get out of the public forum, and you take it to Messenger, and you begin to talk to this individual in that setting. Let me just tell you this. Uh, statistics show that 30% of divorces today blame Facebook as a part of the reason for the divorce. Some statistics even go up to 40% that Facebook is listed as one of the reasons that people are getting divorced. We should learn something from that, shouldn't we? But there is something even bigger than that. Who are you telling? Tell someone your secret. Now, in the perfect world, it's your spouse. But I also understand sometimes that can be kind of tough. So who is that person in your life that you trust more than anything else to be able to say, hey, I've got to share something with you. Let me share with you how I'm feeling towards this person or kind of these steps that I've been taking. I, I, I need you to keep me honest. And in fact, I've had a couple of really good friends of mine who have done that. Their marriages were struggling, and they're like, hey, Chad, somebody at work, and there's some things that are happening and conversations that are taking place, and I haven't stepped over any lines. But at that moment, you're like, there's no guardrail in place either. They're like, no. Sometimes it's just getting that out, getting it off our chest and sharing it that gets us to this place of, okay, it's out there, someone knows, and it kind of changes the way we view it. We, we, we never take those next steps. So tell someone your secret. Now, again, you may look at these, you may hear these and think they're old school, but I'm going to ask you a question, or a few questions. Is your marriage worth it? Now, I know some of you right now are like, no, <laughs> it's not. 
That's another conversation, okay? Do a marriage series next year. Um, but I don't care if it is or not. It, your marriage actually is worth it, whether you feel that way or not. Your marriage is worth it. Your kids are worth it. Uh, your finances are worth it. Your family's worth it. Your friends are worth it. Your job, the people you work with, your coworkers are worth it. I mean, everybody around you is worth it. And yet so many times that bait just keeps getting thrown in front of us over and over and over again. And we bite. And the reason is we don't have any of these guardrails in place. Now, here's why this is important. Listen to how Paul finishes up chapter 6 and verse 19. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You want to know why you flee and don't flirt? Paul says, because if you're a follower of Christ, your body is a temple. And it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, the temple was a place, right? It was a building. And so you would go there. It was central to, to Jewish life because that's the place God dwelled. And so you would go there to, to, to be in the presence of God. In the New Testament, Jesus comes around. Jesus is like, no, 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 that's kind of out. And that's, that's not the way it works anymore. It's not that. It's, it's you. If you follow me, you understand now that you are the temple of God, that God's spirit lives inside of you lives inside of you. And so tomorrow morning when you're getting ready for work and you're looking at the mirror as you're preparing yourself and as you look at your body, you're like, man, this temple keeps getting bigger every year. <laughs> it's normal, right? You got to expand, you grow, it happens. Once you get past that part, I want you to really look inside of yourself because what you're going to see if you're a follower of Jesus, is that your body, that my body, this is the temple of God. And in us lives God's spirit. And so the question we have to ask ourselves every single day, is today the day I'm going to dishonor my temple? Or is today the day I will honor my temple and God's work in my life? Truthfully, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out that question every day anyway. But maybe we need to ask ourselves that question every day so that we can be prepared for those moments where that bait keeps getting thrown in front of us over and over and over again. So we can finally say, you know what? I'm sticking this guardrail in place and I'm going to turn and I'm going to run away from this. Again, I promise you, your relationships, my relationships, they're worth it. And we only get to that place when we understand God's power in our lives. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, Chad, if you knew my story, man, I carry so many regrets. Here's the beautiful part of all this. God still loves you. And God still forgives you or will forgive you. And you need to also understand this is a safe place for you to be, to share that and to, to find the healing that you need. And, and maybe you need counseling and you just need to let me know. We'll get you connected with counselors to help you get through those regrets that you have, but you can start over. And maybe right now you're in the midst of this. You're like, I am really flirting with disaster. Guess what? You can stop. And God loves you. And God forgives you if we take that step. But we gotta allow God to do that. Our past, our present, those decisions that we make, God's like, man, I got such a better future for you. But here's the deal. You gotta put those guardrails in place. And if we do, honestly, 
I believe it'll change the world. And maybe it starts with a group of people here in this place today. What guardrails do you need to put up in your life sexually? Don't wait. Do it now. And let God take you to a better future. Let the bait go. Swim away and be free.